podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our Thursday episode. Uh, today, we are going to continue our Sell Me On series with Kansas Andy Mitz of Rock Chalk Pod and the 10-12. Uh, going to join us to talk about what are Kansas's selling points beyond the AAU status and the men's basketball program, uh, what is the best fit, and why the Big 10 and Lance Leipold would be a, a very successful marriage. Before we get to that, though, the biggest story from Wednesday in regards to the Big 12 was the NCAA finally handing their ruling down on Baylor in regards to the, the sexual assault scandal that occurred there roughly six years ago. Led to the firing of Art Bryles, uh, the exit of Athletic Director Ian McCaw and School President Ken Starr, uh, among others. A lot of people have a lot of opinions on Twitter, and um, I know it's a, it's, it's a weird, good, and hard day for Baylor fans, so I just kind of want to I'm going to go over how I feel about some of this because uh, this is my show. I'm going to. So number one, there were some uh, there were some infractions uh, placed down upon Baylor, uh, but none necessarily in relation to the sexual assault scandal. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, classify the case as a level two standard for the school and level one standard for the former assistant director of football operations. Uh, the penalties include four years of probation, a $5,000 fine, a reduction in 30 football official visits during the 2021-2022 academic year, a three-week ban on unofficial visits uh, for this academic year, a two-week ban on football recruiting communications for this academic year, uh, a few other things, a five-year show cause for the former assistant director of football operations, um, and a vacation of all records in which student-athletes competed while ineligible. I think those are just like five or six games from the 2011 season. So no bowl ban. Um, no scholarship losses either. Baylor has already said that they will likely not appeal the NCAA decision, and they do not dispute the facts in the NCAA's report. Probably wise, considering how long appeals take. They'd probably rather just get this over with and move on. All those in connection to the scandal are gone. We're three coaches later, a new president, a new athletic director. It's, it's been six years. 
for those who are angry that the, the hammer didn't get dropped on Baylor, I get it, but I am not one, and I'm going to be consistent about this, I am not one to punish kids uh, for something that happened well before their time. Okay. The student athletes that are there now were not the ones behind this. There's no one left. They're all gone. It was six years ago. Okay. It's time to move on for Baylor. It's time to move on and pass this and hope that the, the current coaching staff and the current administration are doing things the right way. It seems like they are. They seem to make good hires. And I don't just mean from a football standpoint, but from a, a human being standpoint. So we're going to assume that they are and move on. Uh, the involved assistants got some show cause penalties. We'll talk about Art Browns in a minute. The problem here and the topic of discussion should not be Baylor. The topic of discussion is the NCAA. Okay, this is the this is the organization that is supposed to protect and have student athletes' best interest at heart. It's here to make sure that things are done rightly and fairly, and to run tournaments. But they fail on all those counts. Their job is supposed to be to protect student athletes. That's obviously not possible because those affected by the sexual assault scandal were student athletes. They weren't just students. These were other student athletes whose lives were ruined and who find no recompense from what has been done here by the NCAA. And they weren't protected. They certainly weren't protected. And I haven't seen the NCAA do anything in the right in, in the vein of protecting student athletes for most of the time I've been a fan of college athletics. The second, they're supposed to be able to uh, run tournaments, right? Successfully run tournaments. We just had an external review that stated that the NCAA both undervalued and underfunded women's tournaments for years. So they're not even good at doing that. So what are they good at? Is it punishing schools for when they break the rules? Well, what rules is that? The NCAA infractions committee or system clearly doesn't work. Okay. Essentially, what the NCAA said today is that we can't penalize Baylor for failing to respond to athlete assault allegations because Baylor wasn't responding to any assault allegations. The school as a whole was so rampant with just a lack of caring about sexual assault that it wasn't really even a benefit to the football team. We didn't just do it for the football team, so it wasn't a benefit to them. We did it for everyone. We turned a blind eye to it across our entire campus. So we didn't really benefit the football team. It took the NCAA five years to figure that out. And the NCAA rules did not allow it to do anything about it. All they care about are rules that have to do with whether or not you got paid to play a sport or cheated to win. That's it. That is the only thing that they are equipped to prosecute. They overstepped based off what their rules are in the case of Penn State, and they learned from that. And whether you agree with what they did or think they should have done more to Penn State, that's fine. I understand that. But that's not their job. It wasn't their job then. And they learned a valuable lesson from it. They didn't want to go down that road again, so they weren't going to do it with Baylor. What is the NCAA's role? What do they do? What are they good for? Because at this point, they can't get NIL right. They can't figure out how to punish schools properly for things that should be punished for. In a timely manner, mind you. Timely manner. And what is the future of that organization? That's the other concerning thing. The future of the NCAA. They have formed what they call the Constitution Commission. Okay, 23 members, uh, a committee, 
Uh, they have essentially 90 days to, quote, identify the core principles that define college sports and propose a new governance model that allows for quicker change without sacrificing broader values while either reaffirming or redefining those values. <sighs> 20 people have a month and a half to rewrite the NCAA. It sounds great, doesn't it? And I am the kind of person who, whether foolishly or not, likes to believe that things when the opportunity for change occurs, that positive change will come from it. You know, when they write about the people who are on this committee, it's chaired by former Texas A&M President Robert Gates, who's the former U.S. Secretary of Defense. Uh, there's conference commissioners from the Ivy League, Old Dominion, uh, Athletic Conference, the West Coast Conference, the ACC, there's athletic directors from five institutions, including Baylor, um, no, including uh, West Virginia, you got a school president from from Baylor, um, three three current or former student athletes. That's it. There's no coaches or former coaches. There's only three current or former student athletes. Um, no representation from the HBCU. Um, it's a little bit of the same people who have been running the ship trying to fix the ship. Okay, of those who are in charge of leading the substantive change of the NCAA, you've got three former NCAA Board of Governors members and former NCAA, uh, the NCAA Board of Governors Chair. Uh, you've got multiple former NCAA D1 Council Chairs and Chair Council Members. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We got a, a NCAA Football Oversight Member, an NCAA Division One Men's Basketball Oversight Member, an NCAA Division Two Management Council Chair, a couple of members of the Knight Commission, uh, a former NCAA employee, like. These people are lifers in college football and their connection to the NCAA is deep. You're asking those who have been part of the problem to fix the problem. So all these other titles that they have sound really good, but when you get down to it, it's not really an external thing. It's, it's still internal. You're asking a group that believes that it's doing the right thing and is fighting against change left, right, and sideways to, to figure out how to change. So pardon me if my, my optimism is a bit uh, muted in this situation. As far as our Bryles goes, quote, failed to meet even the most basic expectations of how a person should react to the kind of conduct at issue in this case. I'm not going to read the statement from his representative. I'm not going to say anything about the uh, prominent media member who says he was exonerated. This is all I'm going to say on our Bryles. That man should not be allowed to step foot on a college football, a college campus, have a job in a college football program, have you anywhere near football or, or have an impact on the lives of young men and women in any way, shape, or form. The fact that he's coaching in high school is disgusting. And if any school, any college, any university at any freaking level, down to NAIA, down to JUCO, has the audacity to hire that man, they should also be fired. And anyone else involved in that decision should immediately also be fired and not allowed to be anywhere near a college program or a university in any way, shape, or form. Ever. Ever again. All right. That's enough of all that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Um, uh, we've had enough sad subjects. I am happy that uh, that the, the football team now can move forward and just look forward to the season and have this weight off their shoulders of having to worry about this nonsense. If there was any weight, I'm glad that the current student athletes who had nothing to do with what happened and the current student athletes that are there at Baylor don't have to be affected by this anymore. I am happy for that. I'm happy that this doesn't have to be something that hurts Dave Aranda. He's done nothing wrong. 
And you can dislike Baylor as a, as an entity because you want to treat it like this one big floating, I don't know, one big giant starfish stomping on things. But it's not. It's a large collection of people who have various roles and jobs, many of which who didn't defend the actions that came about, many of which who didn't defend Art Riles, and many of which, many of which had nothing to do with what occurred six and, and, and plus years ago. So I'm going to move on from this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I think I'm done with it, and I hope that you are all as well, and that the focus be on the NCAA and, and their inability to be effective or beneficial in the least. All right, before we get to Andy Mitts, little podcast business, Homefield Apparel, the official sponsor of the 1012 podcast, and we need to let you know about a little bit of a change here. Uh, the old promo code is out. The new promo code is in. So if you go to Homefield Apparel and want to buy, let's say, some Baylor gear to celebrate that this is in the rearview mirror for, for you Baylor fans and for Baylor as a whole, because they have a lot of really, really good Baylor stuff. I'm I'm not kidding. I the bear is the sick and bears is quite good uh that good old bear line the sick and bears with the actual like drawing of a bear that's fantastic that lady bears basketball champs tee whew, that's snazzy that is a really snazzy shirt anyways uh so let's say you want to get something for baylor texas oklahoma state iowa state texas tech or any of the more than 100 schools that they ha- currently have uh the most vin- uh, amazing comfortable vintage college sports apparel for first time you're going to go and buy use the promo code network 12 n-e-t-w-o-r-k 12 and get 15 percent off your first order yes it's not 20 percent off anymore i'm sorry it's not on me it's 15 percent. should have bought it we had a chance it doesn't matter it's still a good promo it's still a great deal and all orders of 70 dollars or more still get free shipping because you're not going to buy just one thing guys i i, I can't I, I can't tell you enough how great i'm, I'm wearing one of my oklahoma state homefield apparel shirts right now and it is just my wife gets mad because I want to wear it to bed. And she's like, you're going to ruin it. And I'm like, that's fine. Then I'll just buy another one and wear it out and, and just continue to buy more and more and more and more and more. And I'm going to buy more soon. I'm waiting for the next Big 12 school that's coming out so that I can buy whatever they have with it. And then I will buy a nice like three or four shirt haul because I feel like I need to get a few things. So homefieldapparel.com, promo code NETWORK12, NETWORK12. Get 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find absolutely anywhere and you can be doing it in time for kickoff of the college football season in just a few weeks all right time to talk kansas realignment the future for the jayhawks andy mitch joining us Uh, with all that said let's get to it are you a big 12 basketball obsessed fan and have nowhere to go for just all of your big 12 basketball information look no further because midwest madness is here just for you we talk men's and women's basketball all year long with exclusive interviews guests that come on to talk about each team game recaps once the season begins and so much more content you won't know what to deal with so for all of your big 12 basketball needs midwest madness is your place to go listen on anchor spotify and apple podcasts all right so we continue our sell me on series and today We are discussing the team that I have said for a while from the get-go when we had Keegan on when the news first dropped that I felt was the the safest as far as the eight remaining schools, the Kansas Jayhawks. I'm very excited to have my good friend, my 1012 co-host, the host of the Rock Shock podcast, part of the 1012 Network, Andy Mitch, joining us today. Andy, uh, welcome, man. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely good to be back. It's it seems like we uh, keep running to each other all the time on this network thing. I don't know how that happens. I really got to yeah, find a weird. Kansas guest. I keep trying to find a new Kansas guest, and you're just like, hey, I'm available. So I guess I just run with it. Well, well, there's also this, but um, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of options, but there's a lot of stuff going on in Jayhawk land right now. So it's um, not surprising that most other people that you could get on as guests are probably otherwise engaged, trying to track down you know Big 12 hearings or uh, other things related to where Kansas is going and what we're actually talking about today. So you got realignment, you got... Uh, brand new coaching staff. You got football almost here. Yeah, there's a lot going on for Kansas. Yeah, you had a five-star basketball recruit just, uh, you know, commit yesterday. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. MJ Rice, I know, I know. We'll save that for Christine's show. She handles the basketball portion for us uh, during football season. Um, Okay, Andy, Kansas Jayhawks. Um, I get it. This is arguably, if not the, one of the worst FBS college programs there is um, as far as football goes I mean, honestly um, I, I don't say that to be mean I, it's 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 too easy and too low a hanging fruit to try and take pot shots at Kansas except for when they're just really clever but and and football is what's driving this realignment bus like we all know it is it, it absolutely is it's all about football because you have to view this from the lens of football is going to drastically change over the next 20 years and everything else is going to be kind of left in the wake so from that standpoint, I, I know everyone's selling points as far as Kansas. They're, uh, you know, if the Big Ten we're going to offer them, they're, they're one of the only two AAU schools along with Iowa State. Um, they have basketball, and Big Ten does care about basketball. But if you set those two things aside, the two biggest, what I think are selling points for Kansas, I mean, what is, I, I know that seems like cheating by saying these are the two things to take away, but, but if football is driving this bus and it's not education and it's not basketball, whether it's the Big Ten, ACC, or or Pac-12, or whatever, I mean, what does Kansas have to offer? Yeah, I mean, it. I mean, I I would say, you know, it's it's definitely kind of weird to try to approach this without, you know, talking about probably the the, the two main selling points. But just from a football standpoint, I think what Kansas has to offer is potential because if you look back when this Kansas team football team was good back in 08, they were extremely engaged they had a lot of fans that were ready you know you you had a lot of people talking about them you had a lot of buzz going on about the team and yes it's pretty understandable that you know all of that engagement is down with the football team being as abysmal as they have in, in the last 10 years but the other thing you have to take a look at is like what happened to that interest what what happened to the tv numbers what happened to all of that engagement when there was reason for optimism you know you you look back after kansas beat texas uh, under David Beatty, like donations went way up. There was a lot of extra engagement. Tons of people were watching and talking and doing a lot of things. And now part of that was, you know, it was easy and fun to make fun of Texas for that particular loss, but also just the fact that people were starting to get excited. You went into that next, fo- that next football season, you know, you had season tickets that actually sold out at one point for that. Like you had a bunch of stuff happening around the football program. There were a lot of Kansas football fans that were ready to jump on, that were ready to be engaged, that were talking about their team and doing everything that you expect from, you know, a a, a conference member that's going to contribute to that college footprint there. And so there is definitely the seeds and the foundation there for a good, successful, valuable football program. You just have to get some of the results turned around, which is easier said than done, obviously. But when you talk about Lance Leipold, who has, you know, been 
talked about by a lot of national publications as a top 20 coach in America. You, you talk about all of the excitement that is building for this Kansas program. The fact that Les Miles got this program scholarship-wise back to where it needs to be. So like this is now a program that has a foundation set and has the opportunity to kind of build on that success. I do think that this year is going to be super important for them, not necessarily in a win type of, uh, you know, metric there, but more of a, can you get the fan base excited? Can you get people showing up to games, watching games on TV, talking about games in the media, like doing everything that you need to do to show that there is an active and engaged fan base that is going to drive numbers once they get back to some sort of baseline of respectability. And so that is what Kansas has to sell from a football standpoint is, you know, they have they have a fan base that is passionate and is ready to jump on. You have a coaching staff that is widely seen as one of the best coaching staff you can bring in to rebuild a program. And you have that consistency. The, the fact that you know with the new AD in Travis Goff, you know, that you have a guy who is going to allow this time to build you have a brand new administration, a brand new coaching. You have brand new everything. Everyone knows it's going to take a little while to actually build it back to making bowl games, but everybody is committed to doing that. And so you have a path forward that you can sell as the vision of this is what Kansas is going to bring. This is what they bring right now. This is where what we're building to, and this is our roadmap of how we're going to get it back there. So it, it's almost like a, a buy low situation now where you can buy low on Kansas here, you know, maybe even Kansas is willing to maybe make some concessions just to get in the door in one of these conferences where they can actually, you know, continue to bring in a bunch of money up front. And then as that fan base builds back up, as everything builds back up, then you have a fairly strong football program, which is not going to detract. And you'll still get all those extra things in terms of the basketball program, you know, the AAU status, whatever else it is that's important to you. That, that is also a selling point for KU. So I've been really high on Kansas in this whole situation. And, and while I have I've dipped a little bit, I'm I'm because I've been so high. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on a few things here, just because it feels like it's the way I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. So from the fan engagement, you know, you, you talked about how when Kansas was good, they had incredible fan engagement. When they beat Texas, they had great engagement. I, I would ask, do you believe that those numbers surpass what you see from the the team the other eight teams who already have consistent good fan engagement your Oklahoma states your Kansas states like if that is a selling point my question becomes if that's not a if that's not a truly strong selling point for the OSU and other schools and still in the Big Twelve now how does does Kansas's engagement surpass theirs enough where it becomes a a, a selling point for Kansas I I don't think it necessarily surpasses but at least can get you back to that same baseline. And when you look at the other things that Kansas brings besides just, you know, I mean, well, once once you get that that football program back to the same baseline, it's not a drag. And that's really, I think, where most people like Kansas would be a slam dunk if it wasn't for the football program right now, because they have that cachet as a national basketball program. You know, when you think Kansas you think college basketball like that has a name even outside of college football circles. You know, the biggest things driving or, you know, last time we had realignment, it was TV numbers. It was TV markets. It was, you know, number of households, that sort of thing. Now it's streaming. Kansas basketball is one of the biggest streaming assets you can have in college sports right now because people watch like crazy. And so it's one of those things where, yes, it as long as you can get football back to a level where it's not seen as a huge drag on the conference, that extra that you get from college basketball streaming, streaming from the name brand that Kansas is in the college basketball world is enough, I think, to push them over the top. It's just a matter of making sure that people don't see football as that huge drag that a lot of people are saying that it is right now. So it's not necessarily that they have to be better than all of the other eight teams, 
Um, it's that they have to get back to par on a football sense so that the other things that they bring can push them over the top. A good comp I can make for Kansas in, in a not sports realm is, you know, we when I talk with interns or people about video, right? I, I work in marketing. So people always want to talk about what do we do video? How do we shoot our own video? And I always come back to the video quality is not what's most important, okay? Um, we're used to shaky cam. We're used to cell phones. We're used to those kinds of things. We can live with those. What we cannot live with is bad audio. I mean, look, we're a podcast. And if we have bad audio, we we hear about it. It's in the reviews. It's in the comments section. Like, right. if the, if the show's good, the people are fine, the audio quality is bad. Like, I think that's what it's like our first our first review here. And it was like a three-star. And I'm like, look, okay, we'll work on it. I mean, there's no over off-repeated nonsense line from podcasters then i think there was an onion article headline was there like podcaster promises to work on audio quality in next episode um because bad audio is incredibly noticeable and a turnoff good audio is not something you're going to get rewarded for but it's some but bad audio is something that's going to damage you and i think that's a good comp for kansas because if kansas was a consistent five seven six and six football program you wouldn't be using it as a positive but it wouldn't be the drag that Kansas football currently is right. on the athletic department and the university. It would be kind of like let's 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 say Texas Tech had AAU status and Kansas basketball level. And I know Texas Tech fans would be like, "We're as good as." That's not what I mean. I mean the branding of if you take everything else and make Texas Tech football Kansas football, where they're a five and seven program, a program that's no one's talking about or making fun of because they're fine. They're not right. They're not very good, but they're not they're not Kansas. Does that make Kansas how how much does that do for Kansas as far as a selling point in trying to land in another power conference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that is something for sure. And honestly, like I said, I think that's the biggest reason that right now, you know, people are like, Well, why would you want Kansas? It's because of that that current football program. If if they were at that level, then it would be more of a which conference is going to jump first wanting to take Kansas. You know, as opposed to a, can someone get over the football program and find enough other positives that they want that they'll go ahead and take them? Like, I think Kansas to the Big Ten is a no-brainer, you know, as long as you don't let football, the 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 record of the football program be the thing that breaks the deal. And 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 I, I'm very aware that that is a possibility right now, that, like, that's where all the hesitancy is coming from, is the fact that, like, we need to be able to see something from this football program to make sure that they're not you know, going to go with one win or something in conference every single year that they come over here. I, I, I think they're at the point now where they can, where they can get on that trajectory and they do have to show something this year. I think that's why I think that this year is actually super important for a team like Kansas, because it's, it's not even necessarily about, about getting those wins. It's about showing that you're competitive and showing that there is a roadmap to start getting those wins, even if it doesn't happen this year, because everyone's going to give them that benefit of the doubt. The first year under Leipold, you know, you expect with what Leipold does, he needs that consistency. He needs to build the program, needs to get what he wants into the program. But, you know, his big thing is player development and finding those recruiting gems that you, you know, don't have elsewhere. If you can see that starting to take hold in Kansas after the end of this year, you know, even if they win one or two games, um, maybe sneak one in in the conference, like, but, but you see that they're being competitive. They're not getting blown out by 50 points you know, at the end of the year or something like that, then, then you get to the point where you can see, Hey, this is on a trajectory that we can at least continue the conversation, continue to think about it. I also wonder, you know, how long it actually takes for all, like for if, if you are Kansas, you want the extra time, 
Like, you don't want this to go super quick. And that's why, like, most of the Kansas fans that are freaking out about the fact that, like, Kansas to the Big Ten hasn't been announced or that we're jumping all over, you know, rumors of of discussions happening as, oh, my gosh, that means that it's imminent. Like, that, that, that was never what was said. But a lot of people want it to be what was said. Like, everybody thinks that it's a race to get into the Big Ten as, as fast as you possibly can. If it doesn't happen within the next month or so, then you've got problems. The longer this takes the longer that the big 12 schools can drag this out and keep getting the money from Texas and, and, and Oklahoma, that's going to come as part of the buyout, you know, and kind of continue to get big 12 distributions and all this. That's good for Kansas. Kansas doesn't need this to go fast. They don't want this to go fast. They need the time to rebuild the football program to make it so that it is not a drag on their conference membership, but instead gets them back to the same baseline where everybody's on an even footing. I understand fan frustration of things not moving quickly. I, I trust me. We are fans of our schools. Yeah. We would love for news to come out tomorrow and us to not have to worry about it anymore for the rest of the year. That's just not the reality. Oklahoma and Texas, despite saying that oh, the spring, this has been going on for at least six months, if not a year. They have had time to make this work. This isn't some situation where the Big Ten, Pac-12, and, and ACC have an open door and whoever whoever crosses the threshold first gets in. Haha, that's not how it's going to work. And again, those conferences aren't just considering these now eight teams left in the Big 12. They're considering, they're having to look at every option. They're all dealing with the same things that, that the eight schools remaining are, figuring out what the future is and how best to prepare themselves for it. So this is not going to be quick. You are not, I would be shocked. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's fine. But I would be shocked if any Big 12 school had a landing spot that they announced outside of the Big 12 by the before the end of the season, before January even right. to me. Like this is going to take time, folks. It's not going to be quick. Yeah, because the, there's a lot of different options and things that are being considered that aren't just, hey, we got we to gotta bring in Kansas. Or we got to get to 16. Right. Throw the, that idea the only, out of your head. The only people or the only institutions that want it to be quick are ESPN, Oklahoma and Texas, and the AAC. Because they would love nothing else than to poach a whole bunch of Big 12 schools, get it all settled for ESPN, you know, to get out of that contract, you know, to, to get out of the Big 12 media right contract and get everything completely done by that point. Like. Those are really the only three groups of people that want this done quick so it'll just go away and people will stop talking about it. Other than, of course, the looking forward to the competition in the SEC for Oklahoma and Texas. Um, everyone else, well, I'm sorry, and then fan bases of all the schools that are now left behind. Um, but, I mean, it, it really comes down to the longer this goes, the better decisions are going to be made. You're not going to get into a situation where three, to, three years down the road, the only thing we can talk about is, oh man, it was a mistake to add this particular school. You can build a case. You can sell it to your fans. You can do everything you need to do to make sure that you're making the right decision to help stabilize what's left of college football after this move to, so that we don't get you know four years down the road and then something like this is happening again because somebody's unhappy and wants to jump. Like there are still dominoes that could potentially fall, you know, in a there, there's a bunch of smoke around USC being unhappy in the Pac-12 and trying to figure out what options they have. Who knows if they actually have any options or if this is just that them blowing a bunch of smoke. But it's one of those things where, you know, if the rest of these big 12 schools, you know, find homes in the next three years, like let, let's just say, for example, it takes three years to get all this worked out. I think that actually works out really well for everybody, assuming that they find a home that they're happy with. Because then you've had time to to look at everything. You've had time to work out all the contingencies, like everything that could potentially go wrong, like talk about all of these things, come up with good plans. And then everybody is actually satisfied with the home that they're in, or at least is satisfied with the plan to move forward. And we're not going to get all, all of the, you know, you don't want something like what TCU did the last time they were in realignment, where you jumped to the Big East and then 
three months later, you're now jumping to the Big 12. Like, there's a lot of potential problems with trying to make this go too quickly. Um, you know, Kansas is definitely right now in talks with at least one Big Ten institution to try to work out details of how this works. Like, I've been able to confirm that. I know people that have been able to confirm it. But it's not one of those things where, like, we're expecting all the details to get worked out in the next week or so. Like, I've been told in no uncertain terms that the the soonest you can reasonably expect everything to get worked out that we need to for people to even indicate that it's likely that Kansas would move to the Big Ten would be five months. It's going to take that long to to look through media right contracts, to look through, you know, buyouts, try to find ways that they could afford a buyout if they needed to do it, you know, get everything worked together, talk about scheduling possibilities, sell it to the members of the conference, you know, like all of these additional things that would need to happen. It takes time. It takes planning. It takes a lot of thoughtful processes that you have to go through in order to make it happen. So it's not imminent. It's not going to come anytime soon. We could hear a bunch more rumblings between now and then. I, I can guarantee that we're going to get some updates in terms of rumblings of things that are happening that probably about 5% of those things that we hear are going to be true, but we'll hear some stuff. There'll be some stuff that ends up being true. But anybody that tells you now that they know what's going to happen or they know when it's going to happen is blowing smoke up your ass. Like that's literally the only way that you can say it. Kansas though, I feel they're, I still feel they're in a really good situation because when you go back and look at what they did in their AD search for Travis Goff, part of the reason that Travis Goff was selected was specifically with this situation in mind. Not this timing for the situation, but this situation where Kansas had a very, very good idea that at least Texas, if not both Texas and Oklahoma, were probably not going to extend their, their grant of rights past 2025. So the expectation was that we were going to get to the end of the 2022 football season, um, you know, so like summer of 2023 is when the news was going to come out and everyone was going to start making plans and Kansas would have already kind of made inroads with some people and be ready to announce something a little bit after, or even maybe do something joint, you know, with like Texas and Oklahoma are getting ready to leave and Kansas is going to go here. You know, obviously everything got accelerated with Texas and m you know, getting upset and leaking all the information as quickly as they did. Um, but, but Kansas was prepared for this. Like they knew this was a very distinct possibility. You know, Travis Goff has a lot of friends in the big 10. He, most recently worked in the Big Ten, knows a lot of people there. He also has some friends in the ACC, so it's not like the Big it, it's it's not Big Ten or bust for Kansas. Kansas does have some options to explore. It's just a matter of taking the time to evaluate what the best option is, work through all those logistics. But but Kansas has been getting ready for this, and that's why Travis Goff was hired because they knew that this was going to be something on the horizon that they were going to have to deal with. This is Brandon Phoenix, aka I also hate Pit, joined by my brother. Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix, we are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. There's a lot of talk at the Big Ten. It makes sense. AAU school, Big Ten is trying to become a better basketball conference. Um, adding a Kansas right. brand makes sense. <laughs> And again, <clears throat> football is driving this bus. And part of the problem is trying to figure out what college athletics, not just football, but college athletics is going to look like in the next 30 years is next to impossible. It's way beyond my brain can begin to try and, and figure out. Anybody who thinks they know it, they don't. Um, nobody does because things change constantly. I mean, a month ago, we were at Big 12 Media Days and there was no realignment talk. Right, right. Um, but I am curious because, again, I, I just think like I mean, the more I think about stuff like I don't even know that anybody's going to find a home and that's going to be their permanent home for the next 
hundred years. Right. Like, yeah, this is all going to continue to shift. I know the talk is the the Kansas to the Big Ten. It makes sense. They make a ton of money, and and I know that to the ACC is unrealistic because ESPN is not going to let the ACC renegotiate that sweetheart deal of a contract. They're just not going to let them unless they can get Notre Dame. And I just, Notre Dame's identity is too firmly grounded in being an independent. And unless they literally are going to have no access to whatever the future is, they're going to stay that way until they can't. But if, 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 let me just present it this way. Let's say two doors are open. You've basically got uh, two job offers, Big Ten or ACC. Realistically, which one do you think would be the best option for Kansas as an athletic department as a whole? Not just football, but the whole deal. Because that needs to be a conversation right. as far as athletic department as a whole. Not just football. Football needs to succeed because it pays everything else. But as far as an athletic department as a whole, what do you think would actually be the best place for Kansas? Yeah, I think I think Big Ten is, is, is the slam dunk answer. Like, they, they have... Lots of neighbors that are really close. If you go to the Big Ten, you have a lot of natural rivalries, especially if you bring in someone like Iowa State with you, like if, if they can make that work. But but even if even if, you know, they don't add anyone else, like if it's just Kansas, the Big Ten. And, and obviously I, I realize they would want to probably try to keep an even number. So they're going to bring somebody. But if, if we completely ignore the impact of who that second person is that they would bring or that that second school. Just looking at it, you know, Kansas would get to start playing Nebraska again. They get to start playing Iowa again. They have a lot of natural um, close teams that they could play, you know, up, up, up against like Wisconsin and Michigan and Michigan state. Like those are all fairly close. You also talk about how big of an alumni base Kansas has in Chicago and in Detroit. Like they have a lot of alumni in the big 10 territory. Um, now they have a lot of alumni, a lot of places in the U S but the two biggest places where they have alumni are down in Dallas and up in Chicago, like easily. And so there is a huge amount of support for Kansas to go to the Big Ten, not to mention that you're also looking at the rest of the fit. You know, they, they go to what is arguably the second best or second strongest top to bottom basketball conference in the last 10 years in, in the Big Ten, only after the Big 12. Um, you know, you 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 talk about, uh, you know, like the, the biggest selling point to me for the ACC would specifically be football. That there, you know, there's a lot of travel. There's a lot of other problems with the ACC that are less preferable. But the ACC has a lot more football programs that'd be easier for Kansas football to get up off the mat against. At that point, the only problem I think that you have there is all the extra travel. That does make it more complicated. Ask anyone from West Virginia. It's a lot more complicated to try to travel for those particular games and deal with all that extra travel being completely out of the geographical area for the entire conference season. Um, than, than it would be to go against slightly better competition, I think. Because really, if you think about it, the Big Ten football, like the lower end of Big Ten football, isn't demonstrably better than the lower end of ACC football. And so it's one of those things where Kansas is going to have plenty of opportunities, I think, in either conference that they were able to get to um, for that football team to get better. And the Big Ten, I think, is the much better. Like ACC is better top end on basketball, but there's a lot of really bad basketball played in the ACC. Um there is a decent amount of bad basketball played in the Big Ten, but nowhere near as much as the as the bottom of the ACC. And so it's one of those things where overall for Kansas, just the fact that it's better, natural, closer rivals, um, you know, I think that really helps the non-revenue sports as well. Um, you know, I also just think that there's a lot more there's a lot more alignment in terms of the sports of the Big Ten sponsors that KU already participates in versus what the ACC sponsors that KU already participates in. And so so it, it's just a much more natural fit. I think it's going to be a lot easier for them to do that. If, if I, you know, if, if KU had those two offers in hand 
they would jump immediately at the Big Ten, whereas the ACC, I think they'd have to be talked into. If you are Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, or Minnesota football, you should be very excited to have Kansas come and join your conference. Right, exactly. I said I, said I wasn't going to make Kansas jokes. but Well, like, no, no, but I mean, like even in like especially in the short term. Yes, I think that there's an opportunity, depending on how well Leipold is able to to get Kansas turned around, that you know if those teams don't make big strides on their own, then Kansas would be better than them, you know, ten years down the road. But I think any team in the Big Ten right now that's at the bottom, if they make the right strides, it doesn't matter what the other teams in the bottom do; they're gonna they're gonna take a step up. So it's like. It, it adds another school that's not a powerhouse that gives you an opportunity to compete against that's not just going to blow you out of the water. And so, yeah, I think that any Big Ten football program that's trying to get back up off the mat, you know, adding another football program that you can get up off the mat against is is definitely a plus for them, especially if they bring a bunch of other things to the conference and fit in with your with your cultural fit. Because I think that's the one big thing that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, they, they say that football drives the bus. It's all about football success. The Big Ten has shown in the past their willingness to buck the conventional wisdom of what it means to do the expansion. Like, bringing in Maryland and Rutgers, a lot of people were like, what the heck? And then you said, oh, well, it's TV stuff, and they meet all of our educational requirements, and, you know, their research schools, and, like, all this additional stuff. Yes, football success is important, but I think the Big Ten has shown in the past it's not the most important thing. You have to meet these other benchmarks first, and then we'll bring you in if we think that you can help us. And, you know, like that's the one thing that a lot of people fail to talk about is that the Big Ten Research Consortium brings in a whole bunch more money to all of these schools than the athletic programs do. You know, and so it's one of those things where, yes, the athletic programs are, are important. And yes, your, your affiliation is on the athletic program. But if you're joining the Big Ten family, it's about a whole lot more than just athletics. And so it's not going to be simply athletics that decides whether you join. I would also note. If you're Kansas football, if you're Lance Leipold, the Big Ten makes so much sense. This is a guy who coached, won national championships in Division Three at Wisconsin Whitewater, was assistant at Nebraska, Nebraska at Omaha, was a head coach at Buffalo, which is in New York. Like His entire coaching career up until this point has been up in Big Ten territory, up in Wisconsin, up in Nebraska, up in New York. It would... Letting him both coach in and recruit in areas that he is very well familiar with and i understand recruiting is a national thing now but having that in his back pocket i think could be a boost for kansas being in an area and playing against teams where you're in a place that he is very very familiar with yeah it's it's also one of those things too like i think just in terms of in, in order to have a successful program you have to have, unless you're able to recruit nationally and out recruit other people nationally, you have to be able to build a successful program based off of the type of recruits that you have in your own backyard. Whether first in your own state, then second in your region or, or, or conference. I think that the, the recruits that Kansas can get from their own area, so Kansas City, you know, Western Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, like all of those in the surrounding states, the ones that they can actually get realistically fit a whole lot better into that Big Ten store style of play and that Big Ten recruiting footprint than they do even right now the Big 12. And I think that's where Kansas has struggled is having to go down to Texas. Yeah, it opens up the possibility to go recruit in Texas, but they haven't been able to, to consistently pull the type of skill players, the type of linemen especially, 
that you can get down in Texas that's going to allow them to do the things that would make them successful against Big 12 competition. You go into the Big 10, you're going to be leaning a lot more into that particular style. Leipold's style as well, um, you know, is going to be extremely helpful being able to recruit, especially the linemen that you get from up north because they tend to be, you know, stockier, a little bit better built. Um, so it's corn, one of those things. Fed? Is that right, yeah, yeah, exactly, corn-fed, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it could actually be a good thing for Kansas in terms of shifting the way that they like to play that's going to make them a little bit more successful. It's just one of those things where, you know, you, you have to get in the door, but once you get in the door, I think it's going to be good for everybody. You just have to get over the hump and, and convince everybody that that's the best way to move forward. Yep. I still feel pretty good about Kansas because of basketball, and I understand that people are telling you, like, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, it's all about football. And, and, and maybe it is a pipe dream. Maybe Kansas really is screwed because the football is so bad. Um, I still lean towards these eight schools are all going to have to stick together and bring in four more, but we'll figure that out over the next few months. Yeah, the other thing to think about is that everybody talks about athletics and football, the only thing that matters, because right now the narrative of how realignment is going to work is being driven by ESPN. And that's all that matters to them because they're a sports company, right? They're, they're an entertainment and sports company. Um, I can guarantee you that the, the that the athletic directors, the presidents, everybody is thinking about more than just how does football show on TV? Yes, it's a big piece of the puzzle. A lot of money does come from them. But like we've already talked about, conference affiliation is more than just where does my football team show up on TV? Conference affiliation is about so many other things. And so there's going to be a lot that goes into it. There's going to be a lot of stuff to work through. And yes, it's going to be important for Kansas to show strides on the football field. But there are definitely a lot of things that will drive this forward. It's not all about football, as much as everybody wants to say it is just about football. Andy, appreciate your time, buddy. Uh, of course, you can hear Andy here every Monday as one of my co-hosts on the 1012 podcast. Uh, Andy, where else can everybody check you out? Yeah, uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at AndyMitz12. Uh, that's AndyMitz12. And then also you can catch the Rock Chalk podcast where we talk about all things Kansas Jayhawks on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. Podcast Network.